All right. So if you didn't have a chance to meet me yet, my name is Rachel Wartman. Grant and I pastor this church, and the Lord has put this message on my heart for me today, or for you today. Um, I started feeling the Lord talking about this actually a few weeks ago, and so I've been really excited to share it. And so today we're talking about the promises of God. What do you do with them? So if you got our email last week, you got a video from me where we were talking about how to ask the Lord for a promise for 2019, and then today we're going to talk about what do you do with it when you have that. If you've been around Charismatic Church at all, you probably have a prophetic word or two that you've been given at some point in time. And so what we're going to do today is really dive into what do you need to do or do you need to do anything to really see that word come to pass in your life, and what is God wanting for you in regards to that. So I'm excited about it. I want to pray before we get into, we've got a couple different scriptures and whatnot, and I want to pray um, before we could dive into that. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a promise keeper and you are a promise giver. And, Lord, I just thank you that today you've got a specific word on, our, on your heart for us. So, Lord, help me to be in tune with you and everything you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one spoiler alert about what's coming in 2019. About September or so last year, Grant and I really felt like the Lord was challenging us to bring in as many people as we could to minister to you guys, to impart to you guys, and, and to partner with us in building what God has called us to build here in Southwest Oklahoma City. And so we have a bunch of people coming in. So Rodney is first on the list. He's happening in February. But we actually then, as the Lord would have it, we have four prophets coming in over the next several months. So it's basically, I think there's March, May. May, June, and then in the fall, we've got another one. Now, when I say the word prophet, this is what I mean by that. These are people who have been um, anointed and called by God to be a prophet to the church. We feel very strongly that they have a word for us in particular. Not every person who says they're a prophet has a word for you. That's just not the way that God works it. Everybody has like a jurisdiction that God has called them to minister to. So I want you to know, we take it seriously when we bring someone in to minister to you. These are people that we would willingly open our heart to and do to minister to us personally. These are people we trust. And so I know at least for me, sometimes I'm like, well, who is this person? You know, what are they going to say? What's their background and whatnot? We'll provide all that for you if you're interested. But I want you to know that it's a setup from the Lord that we have all these people coming in and in the way they're coming in. And what I feel like the Lord was, was saying is that, number one, it's a guarantee that you're going to get a prophetic word in 2019. If you come to any one of these meetings we're going to have, you're going to get a prophetic word, right? You're probably going to get more than one if you hopefully come to more than one meeting. But you're going to get a promise. You're going to get a prophetic word. And I felt like the Lord wanted us, even before we get to that point, to know what to do with that. Because I don't know about you, but for me, anytime I've gotten a prophetic word, some of them come to pass like right away. I remember one um, ministry time Grant and I were in and the, the person who was the prophet in the room was, and I don't use that word lightly, but he was going through and he was giving everybody these amazing words of like destiny and you're going to do this. And then he would get to us, me, and it was like, oh, this is going to happen in your life. And within two weeks it would happen. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But also, like, what is the destiny word, Lord? What is the word that you have for me? And all along that time, God was speaking to me. He was giving me promises in my time with him. And there came a point in my life when I had to recognize the promise is what's important, not whose mouth it comes from right? The promise, what God is saying over you is the most important thing, not whether it's called out corporately or publicly or privately to you. And in fact, sometimes it's even more amazing when the Lord speaks it straight to your heart because it teaches you how to trust his word, right? To rely on his word. So I want to say that up front as well. 
But here we go. I want us to look at Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. And I thought this verse was really cool. I actually came across this. Um, it just was like one of those things when God confirms um, things. Yesterday I was on social media and I saw a post about this and it just struck my heart because this was the message we were talking about. So I wanted to add it in here. And full disclosure, that's where the Lord spoke this verse to me. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. And it talks about snow. And we just had the most beautiful snow. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. It says, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word will be, which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accompanying, accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. This is a good word, right? Isaiah is prophesying from, this is God's word saying, listen, in the same way that I speak, he goes like, he gives us a parallel. When the rain and the snow comes down, it waters the ground. What is in the ground begins to sprout. Out of what is sprouting provides you seed for the future, what you're going to sow out of, and also your bread, your provision for today. He says, in the same way that's the cycle of life, it's the same with God. When God speaks something, that word will not return void. But if you're like me, you read a verse like that and you're going, but what about the words that did return void or the ones that literally the opposite happened of what you said, God? Well, hold on a second. How, how, okay, so that's out of God's mouth. So will my word be, which goes out of my mouth that will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire. All right, let's look at 1 Samuel 23. And I'm only going to put on the screen two verses from it. But what I'd like you to do is pull up in your Bible app right now. Um, because most, some of you are probably going to want to have this to look it up later. But it's 1 Samuel 23. And I'm going to be um, reading from the Amplified Version. And we're going to read uh, 1 through 13. Okay, this is a story. So this is about David rescuing. I'm going to call it Keilah. I don't know if that's the way you say the city's name. But um, basically, this is David. He's, in, he's being pursued by Saul. Saul is in this time where he's trying to kill him, right? We know this part of the story. And so he says, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and plundering the threshing floors for grain. So David inquired of the Lord, Should I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So this is awesome. This is David asking the Lord a question, and God is responding to him. But David's men said to him, Listen, we, were, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more if we go to Keilah against the battle lines of the Philistines? Now remember, Goliath was a Philistine, right? This is sort of their mortal enemy at the time. And so the, David's men are saying, Hold on, we were really afraid when this was on our own turf. How are we going to go to a different city and face the same army? This is crazy. So David goes back and inquires of the Lord. Again, the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will hand over the Philistines to you. It's a good promise. So David and his men went to Keilah. They fought the Philistines. He drove away their cattle and struck them with a great slaughter. So David rescued the inhabitants of Keilah. Okay, first part of the story. David asked the Lord. God speaks to him. That's what happens. We're tracking with that? Then we get a little bit farther, verse 6. And all of a sudden, this guy, Abiathar, he comes down. He's the son of Imelech, and he fled from um, where Saul was, and he comes to David at Keilah. And he came down with an ephod in his hand. Now, when Saul was informed that David had gone to Keilah, Saul said, God has handed him over to me, for he shut himself in by entering a city that has double gates and bars. In other words, there's not going to be a quick escape for David from this particular city. So Saul's like, this is my moment. I'm going to go get him. So verse 8, Saul summoned all the people and the soldiers for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. But David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Just keep with me, guys. I know this is 
intense story. And so then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul intends to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Now, here we go. Verse 11. It's on your screen. Will the men of Keilah hand me over to him? Will Saul come down just as your servant has heard? O Lord, God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. In other words, Saul is coming to Keilah. And then David asked, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. In other words, these men are going to give you over. You're going to be captured by Saul. Verse 13, then David and his men, about 600. This is like the most epic parade. This is not like they're going to hop over the fence and run away. This is a huge amount of people. About 600 men arose and left Keilah, and, there, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the pursuit. Okay, what does this story have to do with us? David says to God, is Saul going to come down to Keilah? What does God say? Yes, he's coming. But does God, does Saul come to Keilah? No. That's in the Bible? What? Hold on a second. So God said something, but it happened opposite of what he said. All right. Be at peace. We're going to work this out together. But I think this is important for us to recognize because if you have been following Jesus with faith in your heart for any length of time, you're going to have a moment like this where you ask the Lord, what's going to happen? And he says something, and that's not what happens. And we have to figure out how do we navigate around that, all right? One more verse for you, Psalm 139, 16. Then we'll tie this all together. Psalm 139, 16. Now remember, this is the verse, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. David is prophesying about um, what happens in a mother's womb with a baby. And he says, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were, were all written the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. I know that's kind of wordy, but here's what he's saying. There's a, what he's saying is, God, you wrote a book about my life before I was even out of my mother's womb, and you appointed specific days for me to live. That's pretty amazing, right? But what I feel like the Lord wants, one of the questions for us to ask this morning is, are we living that book or are we writing our own story? Because here's the thing. God has appointed specific days for you to live in, but you actually have permission by God to not live those. What? It's confusing, right? We have this understanding of who God is, that he is all-knowing, that he is all-sovereign as well. But here's where we have to filter this through. Number one, relationship is the filter through which we understand God, right? You cannot understand God apart from having a relationship with him, okay? So if you don't have a goal for 2019, this is your goal. Develop a relationship with God through Jesus. It will be the best thing you will ever do because when you read stories like this and you don't have a close relationship with him or even sometimes when you do, it can be so perplexing like, well, how can you do that, Lord? Do you contradict yourself? But you don't, but then you did, right? And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about a couple different ways that God speaks. And the reason why I want to do this is my intention with this message is to bring clarity for you so that as you approach 2019 with all the promises that God has given in you, you know what to do to see those promises come to pass. So let's dive into the, the tension that we're feeling right now. God has foreknowledge of everything that's going to happen, but that is not the same thing as God saying everything is going to happen. 
Does that make sense? In other words, we are not pawns on his chessboard. He's not saying, okay, you're going to wake up at 6 a.m. tomorrow, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this. He can say, that's what I want you to do, but you actually have permission to do that or not. We're comfortable with this idea, right? We're getting a little bit more comfortable here. Okay, so here's what I feel like the Lord is saying for us. His ability to know what you're going to do is one category. What you actually do is a different category. When God looked, David inquired of him, and he said, Lord, is Saul going to come down to Keilah? And God, in his foreknowledge, he knows what Saul is going to do. He knows the patterns of thoughts that are in him. He knows what he's like. He says, yes, he's going to come down. This is like his golden opportunity. But then Saul decides, it's not worth it. I'm not going to come down. Why this is so important, at least to me, is that when we look at this, we can say, all right, Lord, there were times when I inquired of you, and it didn't happen the way you said. That's a different thing than God declaring this is what is going to happen. You guys tracking with me? If you're in a relationship at all, you have a family member that you live with or a spouse, you know you know. there's times where you say, hey, can you take out the trash? And they're like, yeah, I'll take out the trash. And then they forget. It doesn't happen, right? And then you know there's other times where they say, this is what I'm going to do, and you can just feel it. You know, oh, they're going to do that, and that's what they do. That's a little bit of what's going on here. Now, where this gets tricky is that it's God. How can God, he's not being flippant with his words, but when we understand how, are you guys tracking with me? When we understand what he's doing and the ways that he's talking, then we can know how do we approach and respond to that. Here's why this is important. Sometimes when God gives us a promise, he's looking at the big picture, and we get really hung up on the small thing that didn't happen exactly like we thought he said. Just because the small thing didn't happen like he said doesn't mean God is not still doing what he said he would do. So God knows let me say it this way. If any of your promises that you're believing for in your life involve other people, there's a good chance you might have heard the Lord wrong. Or there's a good chance it might not happen as he said. Why? Because God is not puppeteering the people in your life. If you're, you know, I don't know about you. Some of you, your, your 2019 goals may involve having a better marriage or a different spouse or whatnot. Not a different spouse. <laughs> I'm in an improved spouse. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, but I mean, if you're like, man, my goal for 2019 is that you would become a better version of yourself, right? So you can say, this is what God told me, that my marriage is going to get better, and it's going to get better because you got better, not necessarily like me. And we keep believing this promise because this is what God said, but God is limited to the approach that that person yields to them in, okay? So though God may have said, this is what's going to happen, it may not happen if that person is like, I don't want to participate with the Lord in this. This is where sometimes we get off track when we go, but Lord, I thought you said this person was going to offer me this job or this was going to happen or whatnot. And it doesn't happen exactly like that. And so my first thought for you when you're talking about holding the promises of God is that if it involves other people, hold it loosely. Okay? Doesn't mean it won't happen. Like, I've seen the Lord say, hey, this is what's going to happen, and it happens exactly like that. And I've seen him say, this is what's going to happen, and quite literally the opposite happens right? Because when it's involving other people, the Lord is going to work at their pace. So it may feel like it's affecting you, even though he's still doing the thing he promised for you. He's just doing it in a way that completely confounds your understanding because he knows them better than you do. So thought number one, when you're talking about holding your promises, if your promise involves other people, hold it loosely. Focus on the big picture. Don't get hung up on the small things. 
I love this about David. I love the story of David so much because God calls him the man after his own heart. And I think a lot of it was because David prioritized his relationship over everything. Right? He inquired of the Lord. See, David had this interesting thing in his life where he had a relationship where he would ask God questions. And he also allowed prophetic people and prophets to speak into his life as well. He didn't rely just on the prophet to tell him what his goal should be, what his word should be, whatever. He also inquired of the Lord himself. It's such a beautiful thing. All right. So thought number two for you guys here. Foreknowledge and sovereignty of God is not the same thing as declared intention. Okay? God knows everything. He can tell you right now what, he, you know, what everybody's going to do. He knows it. But we also have free will. And so there are other times when the Lord declares this is what's going to happen. For example, there will be a virgin who will give birth to a baby, and that baby will be the Messiah. I can't even imagine how much finagling it took for the Lord to work with all the people. I think there was something like 400 prophecies regarding Jesus' birth that God had to fulfill in that process. That's like the ultimate puzzle, Right? But think about it this way. When God says this is what's going to happen and there's declared intention, that's a different kind of promise than when we inquire of him and he responds. Okay? How do you know the difference? Through relationship. Through trial and error. But I want you to know there are times when the Lord is going to declare this is what's going to happen in your life and it will happen because everything inside of you will be ripped that direction. Let's talk about Moses for a second. All of God's eggs were in Moses' little baby basket, right? When, when Moses, I mean, think about it this way. All the Hebrew boys are being murdered but Moses. And God sovereignly, he just supernaturally gets Moses into Pharaoh's daughter's arms and he compels her heart to adopt him. Listen, the whole Pharaoh family knew, Pharaoh's whole family knew Moses was Jewish, he looked different. They don't have the same features, okay? So there was no mistaking. It wasn't like she was saying, oh, he was, you know, he's an Egyptian. He just has a different color of skin. Like, that's not what was happening. They all were responding to her compassion to adopt him. And God raised Moses in the house of Pharaoh for two purposes. Number one, to be the doorway to free his people. And number two, because there was no concept of leadership in the Hebrew people at that time. They had been slaves for hundreds of years. There was no concept of leadership. So if God was going to deliver them and give them a leader, he had to put Moses or whoever he picked to be around leaders to understand how to govern people. That's a really hard thing to do. It doesn't come naturally to most people, especially if your whole lineage has been slaves for several generations, right? And so all of God's chips were in Moses' little basket, his eggs, and it was like it had to be Moses. And God had declared over Moses, you are a deliverer. He had that promise. Remember, Moses was actually nursed by his own mother as God would have it. I just love this. It's so great. God brings his own mother to care for him. Now, when you were in that time period, they, that, his mother would have been his sole caregiver for up to five to six years, guys. Think about a five or six-year-old kid. They talk to you. They remember, right? His mother, no doubt, was speaking over him. You are the one. You are the one that was rescued out of all these babies. God has a huge plan for your life. Speaking this destiny over him, he would have had that in him from the beginning. But Moses misinterpreted his promise when he killed the slave driver, right? He stepped out of bounds of what God was wanting to do. And so the Lord had declared Moses would be the deliverer. Actually, what the Lord had declared was that the people would be free, 
right? And that he would raise up a deliverer. And all of God's efforts had been applied to Moses. And so what did he do? He takes him on this journey to sanctify what had happened in that ungodly murder. He has to take him around the mountain, so to speak. And then he creates this scenario on the burning bush. And he's beckoning Moses. And he's calling him. And he's creating signs and wonders. And he's nudging him. But he's not forcing him. Right? What would the story have looked like if Moses, at the end of all their negotiating, was like, I'm not doing it, Lord, and walked away? We don't think about that because Moses did say yes. But what if he had not said yes, right? God would have raised up another deliverer because he had declared his intention to bring the people out of Israel. But what he's working with is our ability to partner with him. So your sovereignty of God is his all-knowing. He knows what's going to happen. He can tell you what you're going to do because he knows you better than you know yourself. And sometimes we mistake that, at least maybe not you, but I've done that before, where I've mistaken that side of God with the this is exactly what's going to happen and it has to happen, and it's caused me pain in my heart. And so the reason why we're even talking about this today is not just that, but because I feel like the Lord wants us to be mature about how we look at when he speaks and how when he gives a promise, we can actually get excited about it because we understand it. Does that make sense? All right, third thing for you guys, the difference between a promise and a covenant. Everybody say promise, covenant. So we see both of these in the Bible. In fact, most, you know, the Bible is full of promises for you to take. One of my favorites is Jesus in John 10 saying, I've come to give you life and life to the full or abundant life. Uh, 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 One of our friends, he's a, a Hebrew scholar, and he says it like this. He's a Jewish man, and he goes, this is what it's really saying. Jesus was looking at his people and saying, I came to give you a life better than everybody else. That's what it's actually, the context was actually saying. Well, that makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes in the Bible Belt, but here's the deal. Jesus came to die on the cross and not stay dead, but rise from the dead so that you could have a life better than everybody else. So if your life is currently not better than the other people that you wish your life was like, God's not done working in you yet, right? And you can take that to him and say, Lord, this is your promise to me, that I could have a life that I actually feel is the best life around. That's a promise. There's tons of those from Genesis to Revelation. And so the Lord speaks a promise. But then there's other times when he enacts a covenant. My first message I ever preached, I was 15 years old. I was preaching at my um, church in high school. And I preached a message about Abraham and his covenant. And I don't know why I picked that. And I wish I had a recording because it was probably really fantastic to watch 15-year-old me. But I've always remembered this moment. That God and Abraham entered into a covenant. You guys remember this story. And they slaughtered a bunch of birds and other animals. God's like, here's your shopping list. Kill them all, spill their blood. Like, wait, what, Lord? And then he goes, you're going to walk through and I'm going to walk through. Guys, God walked through the blood. It was like physical. Abraham could see it. And it wasn't the only time that Abraham saw the physical manifestation of God. It's amazing. But so they, they slaughter all these animals. They do this sacrifice. And Abraham and God walk through the blood. And what that would do is the bottom of their robe would be stained in blood as the sign that they had entered into an agreement together. And when God makes a covenant, it happens always. A covenant is something that God will not break. The new covenant you are living in, where Jesus is now inside of you, is something he will not break. But God does not make covenants lightly. These are not flippant things to him. So there's a difference between when he gives you a promise and when he issues a covenant with you. 
here's what it looks like. We get into the presence of the Lord and he gives a promise. I want you to have, let's take an abundant life. I want you to have an abundant life. And we're like, oh, wow, that's great. And sometimes, because we also understand that covenant is a thing, we think, oh, that means it's 100% done right now. It's not the same thing. And here's what it looks like. The Lord gives you a promise. And, he, and it's like a destiny. He goes, hey, this is who I really made you to be. Remember we talked about a moment ago, Psalm 139, that God has appointed days for you. He actually designed you with a specific life that you would love better than all the other options for you. I don't know about you. I changed my major like six times when I was in college, and then I quit changing it because I just figured I would try him out in my head before I went to the office again to try him out, right? Because I couldn't figure out what job I wanted to do. And it honestly, for me, took coming to the Lord and saying, who did you make me to be for him to say, this is the plan I want for you? And I looked at it initially and was like, doesn't actually sound as exciting as some of these other ones that I was thinking about. But the Lord's like, well, this is my appointed book for you. So then I get to decide, do I want to live that or not? I mean, we'd be foolish not to, right? But this is the wrestle that some of us are facing even right now where the Lord is giving a promise and saying, this is who I made you to be. And then we have the choice to go, well, do I want to be that? Do I want to surrender to that plan? And so here's how it works very practically. He speaks a promise. Here's a destiny for you. And then it's like a dance. Then you get to respond. God is not the fairy godmother so that one day while you're sitting on the couch with a promise for 20 years that you heard, you know, as a teenager that was this amazing promise of what you're going to be in your life and you really never did anything or thought about it again. And then one day the Lord shows up and waves his magic wand and bibbidi-bobbidi-boo and you are that person. It doesn't work like that right? It honestly doesn't. What it, what, how it works is he gives you a promise, and then he watches what you're going to do with it. Well, that makes me feel uncomfortable, Lord. I don't want this to be riding on my shoulders. But here's the thing. Promise requires partnership. Your promise that you've been given, it requires partnership with the Lord. What does that look like? That means you start to think about it. Could I do that? Would I do that? What would that look like if I did that? And then you start to get involved with that at some level. What, what I mean by that is, let's say you're called to something in like the arts and media entertainment industry. So you find organizations that are ministering there and you start sewing in 10 bucks a month, whatever you can afford, sewing into those ministries because you're connecting yourself to that promise. You start praying over that thing. You start praying, Lord, this is the place you called me to serve. Let me pray into that, right? We start partnering with him. And then as we do this, what we recognize is that he begins to shape us into someone who can actually fulfill that promise. When he's giving you the promise, he's giving you a seed. And he's giving it to you to say, how are you going to steward this? How are you going to water it? Are you going to water it? Here's where we get off track is that sometimes we get confused where we start to do that because we get excited about the promise. And then we're like, but, but I thought you were going to make that happen faster than, than you are. But all along, the Lord is processing you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. He's, he's building you into someone who can actually sustain what that promise looks like. If this wasn't true, world revival would be happening, right? Because how many people do you know that have the most incredible promises from God? You're going to do this. You're going to do this. It's going to be amazing. But it's not happening, right? If it required nothing on our end, the world would be over. Jesus would be back. All the, you know, he's, he's not short on giving promises. 
What he's short on is our participation with it. And so here's the thing that I want you to know. You know, for some of us, the promise is God, you know, God wants to give you a family that's going to be an amazing family. Like, that's, that's a really heavy and weighty promise. Sometimes we think that it's got to be some sort of a big, like, reach the world type vision or promise. It doesn't have to be that. It could be that you get to establish a family that's a kingdom family for the first time in all your generation. That's such a huge promise. But it requires you participating with the Lord. It requires you praying. It requires you catching things about yourself and letting them go. Are you guys tracking with me? All right, so he gives you these promises. He molds them in you. He, he, he births things inside of you around it. He builds you into someone who can contain it. And then there will come a point, if you're faithful, if you're doing the things that he's asking you to do, if you're partnering with him, there will come a point when that promise then gets issued into a covenant with the Lord. I don't think the Lord withholds covenants for his favorite kids. I think there's just so few of us that actually are willing to go through the process. There's so few of us that are willing to go through the pain. Like, it hurts. You know, it hurts when the Lord's like, quit being like this. You're like, but I, I, I don't know how, God. And he's like, let me show you how. Well, that feels painful. Well, stick with me. Stay with me. Stay connected to me. I'm building something in you. If you can keep your focus on that through all the difficulty, he comes to this point where he goes, well done. Now I'm going to enact a covenant with you. And when I set this covenant in motion, nothing will hinder that. It will be because I will declare it to be. The heavens will recognize and it will come to pass in, in the way that Isaiah 55 says it. That his word will not return void. So, this is why I feel like it's important to talk about this. I'm not intentionally trying to be heavy, but what I'm trying to do is help us to understand because my heart and Grant's heart is that every single one of you would fulfill the calling that God has put on your life. That's why this church exists, to be honest, because when the Lord was speaking to Grant and I as we were hearing him talk to us about planting this church five, six years ago, one of the biggest things that God began to speak was there's got to be places, and I know we're not the only one, there's got to be places where people can discover their destiny and learn how to actually see it be fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I'm just so tired of hearing people say, yeah, you know, the Lord said I was going to be this, but you're nowhere close to it. And I don't mean that as like a, con like a condemning thing at all. I get it. It is such a hard thing to partner with the Lord. But what I want us to do is to go, okay, I'm believing you, God, that in this process, I'm going to participate with you. So if you're sitting here listening to this, and you know, I hope you're not feeling this way, but if you are and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm living the pages that God had appointed for me. How do you get into his book? How do you do that? It's, you know, fairly simple. There's three things I feel like the Lord put on my heart for that. The first one is we got to repent. Repenting is a really great thing to do, like, all the time. <laughs> At least if you're me. I'm like, I'm sorry about that, Lord. <sighs> Working on it. Thank you. But we repent. We say, Lord, you know, I've been living my own life. I've been living the pages that I thought sounded really good. It's, it's not a choose-your-own-adventure book. The thing that's so great about God is that he actually does give you so much freedom to partner with him. Like, there's a, you're not dying to yourself in all ways that you don't get a say. You do get a say, but there's a, a season where you get squeezed through where you do have to relinquish your right to your own opinion about your life. That's what making Jesus your Lord actually looks like. It's saying, Jesus, you get to be the one to define what I think, how I speak, what I do, my actions, my beliefs, all of that, what I read, what I put in, what I put out. You get to be the one to define that because you are Lord. And so the first thing we do to get into that book is we repent. And the second thing that we do is we surrender. The moment you surrender, God begins to work 
and to pull all these things together to put you right back into that place where those days that are appointed will happen for you. Surrender is not easy. I feel like I've talked about this a lot. It's sort of one of the themes of my life. It's like, how much more can I surrender, Lord? And I've shared this with you guys before, I think, but, you know, I always picture surrender as complete and total, like, like this. I was spending time with the Lord one day, and I said, Lord, I surrender to you. And I was kneeling down, and I had my hands open like this, and I said, God, I, I surrender to you. You know, you can have my life. And in my mind's eye, I saw a picture of, like, an angel and, like, in a little vision type thing grab my hands and pull me out totally forward where I was, like, completely prostrate on my face. And, and he said, that's surrender. When you have really let go of everything, that's surrender. And so when we do that, when we repent and say, Lord, I want to live the days you've appointed with me. I want to get in line with my destiny. And then we surrender. He immediately, and he already has been doing this. This is what's so great about God. But he immediately starts to pull things together. You might feel him nudging you to, to do things differently. And that's okay. Because that's the Lord getting you onto his plan for your life. And then the last thing that we got to do is when we feel those nudges, those, hey, maybe it's time to change this or change that, or maybe it's time to not text that person back because they're not healthy for you. And so we submit to him. We actually obey the things that he tells us to do. That's what process looks like. We inquire of the Lord. He speaks to us, and then we do the things that he asks us to do. On paper, that's really simple. Everybody that's chuckling knows that it's not actually that simple a lot of the time. But if you find yourself off track, it's super easy. Just repent. Start over again. Lord, I want to be in your will. The last thing I want to share just about promises in particular and hearing God's voice is, you know, I'm someone who I really love confirmations. I love to hear the Lord confirm what he's speaking to me. But I was really challenged recently to consider the reality that not everything needs to be confirmed. Right. And even in my own life, just for truth's sake, I don't not everything needs to be confirmed. There's times where the Lord says, do this. And it's like, oh, that's God. I know that voice. And you do it. But when there's big things happening, I, I, I just that's how the Lord has trained me. Let me put it that way. You might not be that way. But if your personality is like mine, where you're ready to just, you know, dive right into the new thing. A confirmation might be helpful for you. <laughs> if you're someone that's a little bit more like slow to change. I love change. I could change tomorrow. I love it. And so the Lord's like, yeah, before you change, you get one or two confirmations. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got that. And it's a healthy thing for me. But I recognize not all of you are like that. So if you're somebody that's not like that, God may speak it once to you. You may not need a confirmation. And the reason why I say that to you is because this is where relationship becomes the filter. This is where there's not necessarily one right way to hear God. It's through practice. It's through trial and error. It's through the times you thought it was the Lord and you figured out it wasn't God. And it was really painful to pick yourself up and believe again. But now you know what that sounds like. Right? <clears throat> so again, I just want to remind you, don't get tripped up on the small things. If there's moments in your life where you are saying, Lord, what's going to happen in this? And, the other, and something different happened in that. It's time to let that go. It's time to say, God, I missed it. Maybe I didn't miss it. Maybe you missed it. <laughs> I mean, God is perfect, but clearly we see in this story, right? It doesn't always happen the way he says it's going to happen. So we say, all right, I got to let that go. I got to leave that behind so that I can go forward and take these promises that you're bringing into my life and actually wield them and bring them into my life and become the person that can carry the weight of what you're asking me to do for my family, for the people around me, for my neighborhood, and wherever else God might bring you, for your workplace, okay? So I want us to pray 
How many of you feel like you have a promise for this year? Anybody feel like that yet? Raise your hand high so everybody can see. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've, I feel like the Lord's given me a promise for this year for myself personally and for the church. And, you know, it's an, it's an interesting thing because if we focus too much on the things that we've missed, like the moments that it didn't happen like we thought, we, we really pull back from hearing him again. Have you noticed that about yourself? It's actually a lot harder to show back up and say, okay, what's, what's the thing you're building in me now when I feel like it didn't happen the way it was supposed to before? And that's okay. And I'm saying all of this, I'm saying this as a pastor, as a leader to say, you know, we all are in the same boat at some level. We're all at the same boat going, all right, Lord, there's things that we're waiting on still to be fulfilled. And then in those things, it's like, Lord, is that really you? Was that really you? Or was that a different category of you speaking that I need to let go? And if God's like, yeah, that was me, then we keep waiting. We keep trusting. We keep patiently enduring. And then there's other times where it's like, all right, Lord, I need a new fresh word. I need something to sink my teeth into right now. So we're going to pray as we end today. And um, we'll be up here if you need prayer for anything, um, if you need physical healing prayer or emotional healing prayer, or if this is just like, I don't get this and you've got questions, I'll stick up here as well. Um, But I want us to pray into the promise that you feel like God's given you for 2019. And if you don't have one yet, you can borrow the build a better relationship with God because that's a definite promise that the Lord wants to bring into your life. And so um, I'm going to turn on, Karen's going to turn on a little bit of music. And what I want us to do is honestly just take a moment and just say, Lord, what of this do I need to hold on to? Because there's a lot of thoughts I just shared with you guys. And there's a lot of contradicting thoughts. And that was intentional. And so what I want you to do is just ask the Lord, what do I grab hold of? And if there's anything in you that's feeling frustrated or disappointed with moments where God hasn't come through, just know you're in good company. You're not the only person that's experienced that. But it doesn't have to be something that holds you back. So, Father, we just come before you right now in our hearts. And we bring our promises before you. And we also just say thank you in advance for the promises that you're going to speak in this coming months as a church and into our personal lives as we seek you together. Lord, I just ask over each and every promise that we're holding today corporately that you would lead us, that we would find it easy to partner with you, that you would sanctify our hearts, that as we go through the process that there would be a sustaining power and a power to endure with you through all the difficulties that may be attached to breaking out of who we were into who we are becoming. So Lord, I just release your love in this place right now in Jesus' name. And so let's just take a second, just you before God. Just ask him, Lord, what, if you don't have a promise yet, you can ask him, Lord, what's a promise for me for 2019? And if you already have one, you say, Lord, how can I participate with this promise? We're going to take just a minute or two. So, Lord, we want to be people who hold your promise as well. And we want to be people who partner with you, who create opportunities for you to do the things that are in your heart. Lord, we want to be people who are able to hang with you, to see those promises fulfilled. 
So Lord, this morning I bless every person that's in this room with joy today. I bless them with perseverance. I bless them with favor. I bless them with love and a heart that receives your mercy this morning. Father, as we go out today, Lord, we pray that you would send us with your joy and that your presence would be so near and real and tangible to us today that we can sense you in everything that we do. So I just bless every person here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you guys for being here with us this morning.